The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts with singing. First Peter chapter two verse nine says, "But ye are a chosen generation." a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, he was not talking to those people then. He was talking to those people then, but they were in persecution. If you read 1 and 2 Peter, he, he talks to a group of people that were in suffering that were in persecution for their faith, that were losing their property, that we, we don't have it, we haven't had it, we may never have it in the United States as bad as the early church had it when they claimed Christ as their Savior. I mean, their own brothers, the Jews, when they got saved, their worst enemy were fellow Jews who thought they were heretics and thought they were going to destroy Judaism and, and literally just went at them with a vengeance. And then eventually the Gentiles, when they started getting into cities like Ephesus and bothering the goddess uh, of the Ephesians, Diana, and started hurting the silversmith's business. First, you, want to get this, you want to get the world riled up? Preach a gospel to where it starts hurting their business. They'll let you do it if it doesn't hurt their business. But when, you start, when people start getting saved in the numbers where the taverns don't have any customers and the strip joints don't have any people in there, and their business starts going down, and they trace it back to your preaching, trust me on this, you're going to have some persecution. He tells these folks, but you're chosen generation, royal priesthood, <laughs> holy nation. But they don't feel like it. They've lost everything. And yet... That's what he says, that's what you are. It's as good as a done deal. When God says something, it's as good as a done And you know, you can make it through anything if there's hope. If there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I've, I've had God, God's put me through some things that have lasted like three-day cluster migraine. Where the bathroom's your favorite place to be. And you wonder, are you going to die right there? Because you feel like there's nothing can get worse without you just dying right there. And yet, there's hope. And God comes and he lets you have hope. And you get better. And you go on. And whatever you've had in your life, and some people here have had long, long tests. Long tests. Betty, Betty Lou, as I call her, has been a long test. Long test, but there's light. You're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, what's he say? He hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We're kings and priests. Well, you say, Brother Bill, I don't feel like a king. Well, no, you don't when you're being under persecution. When you're sick of body and your body's failing you, maybe with cancer, and you're going out, you don't feel like a king. 
That doesn't change the fact, though. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. And he made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. You can take it to the bank. You're going to reign with Christ. If you live for Christ here, and you're willing to suffer for Christ, whether it be suffer shame, suffer some sort of dishonor, suffer some sort of inconvenience, lose a job for the name of Jesus, whatever it happens to be that you suffer, God will remember that. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, it said, Blessed and holy is he that put that has part in the first resurrection. By the way, that's not first in order, it's first in kind. There's two types of resurrection. The first resurrection, and then the resurrection on the judgment of the great white throne and eventually being cast into hell. The first is not a order, it is a kind of resurrection. And if you're going to go to heaven, you need to be part of the first resurrection, which happens in at least three different times. And it says, of, of such they have the second death, had no power. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Chapter 20, and I'm not taking the time to look at it tonight, but chapter 20 uh, mentions the word thousand. That's where we get our word millennium. It simply means 1,000. I believe it's mentioned at least five times, maybe six times in that chapter. The word millennium, a period of time that God has designated. It is, it is saturated in the teaching of the Old Testament prophets. I have a book that I got. I can't remember exactly the author anymore. Uh, it's a Bible commentary is what it is. And he, he goes into every millennial promise in the Bible. It's been, and I was amazed as I went through that book at how many promises of the coming millennium there are in the Old Testament thousands of years before Christ even. How he looked forward to the whole creation which was put in bondage because of Adam and Eve's sin, unwillingly, according to Romans 8, were put in bondage. The creature was put in bondage to the suffering that they're going through. And um, they were unwillingly, they have been looking forward from that time to this for that day of relief and release called the millennium. It's a 1,000 year period. About how old is the world? The old the world I believe right now, according to biblical calculations, the world is about 6,000 years old. Now, it's interesting to me that God likes numbers. He's really, you know, I'm not into numerology. You can go too far with that. You can try to predict things. By the way, the 27th of September is the harvest moon. Some people have tried to make some money and get sensationalizing the fact that they call it the blood moon. What happens is there's a lunar eclipse, and when you have the eclipse, the moon turns a little red. Very little, to be honest with you. And they're trying to make that out to be the fourth blood moon, and that's a sign. And, 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 this old, this, and the guy that's doing it is a Jewish, uh, what I call Jewish Christian. And he was the guy that wrote the book, The Harbinger. He made phenomenal money on the book, The Harbinger. He took the, took the ninth chapter of Isaiah and said it was, it was predictive of what was going to happen in the future. Listen, anybody that does that, just don't go there. God doesn't want you to know the day or the hour. You know the season. But even if you didn't know the season or the day or the hour, how old are you? You know you're not going to live forever. You know you're only going to live to maybe 80, 90 years old, 70, 80, 90. Some of you, you keep eating the way you are, you ain't going to make it 60. And, and if cancer don't get you or some, or, or, or how about 41? 
If 41 don't get you or some driver out there that, that is next really stiff and they've been too stiff and it hurts them and they don't want to look anyway, they just pull out and go for it because if they die, it won't, it won't be too premature no matter what. But if that don't get you, cancer don't get you, you're going to, I mean, EMS guy, you see the weirdest stuff, don't you? The weirdest stuff. Death comes funny. It comes in funny, strange ways to people. So, anyway, you look at it, it won't be long and you and I are going to die. So, I'm going to be standing before God pretty soon, no matter what goes on prophetically. Glory. And so, I, I'm, a, I'm not long away from seeing Jesus. Could be tonight. Amen. Could be tonight. But the millennium, I want to spend a few weeks in the evening, talking to you and going over the millennium, some of the some a, a sampling of the millennium, uh, as far as what the Bible says about it, some of the scriptures it deals with. Uh, we're we're looking forward as born again Christians to a one thousand year period where Jesus Christ Himself in the resurrected body is going to plant His feet, according to Zechariah, chapter 12, chapter 14, other places, going to plant His feet on the Mount of Olives. Part of it's going to go to the north. Part of it's going to go to the south. There'll be a stream come out of it. Part of that's going to go to the Dead Sea. They're going to catch fish in the Dead Sea again. Because that water is for healing. And that water's going to heal. I've been in the Dead Sea. I floated in the Dead Sea. Let me say this. You get in the Dead Sea, it's so full of salt that you float vertically right up here. Now, you folks swim in salt water. But you go to Dead Sea, you float vertically up there. That's how much salt, how much matter there is uh, in that water. It's so, it's so full of salt and minerals that you float this way. By the way, I want to warn you, if you ever go in there and got a cut, mama mia, I mean, every little cut I had on me burnt like fire because that salt is intense. And it, if your skin's a little dry, you ain't seen nothing till you get out of there. That salt will dry you out, man. I mean, you'll be pickled when you get out of there. And there just cannot, there's not one living thing in the Dead Sea. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. They call it the Dead Sea because, by the way, I don't believe it was always dead. I believe that's where Sodom and Gomorrah is, under the Dead Sea. God rained, God rained salt, and he rained brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah and all of those other little cities around it. And he said it would not be inhabited. And guess what? It's not inhabited because he put that salt and brimstone and everything else. And at the end of that, shut up. But God says there's going to be a stream come out of the Mount of Olives. going to go all the way to the Dead Sea. And they're going to catch fish again in the Dead Sea. Now, that means it's going to be radically different. And if I may say better than what it is now. Man, I'm, aren't you tired of, of the newspapers and the magazines and the violence and the murder and the rape and the child abuse and the theft and the cheating and the sickness and the economic collapse and, and, and the pollution warnings and endangered species and, and, and betrayal and dishonesty and, and all, of the, all the junk that's going on. Aren't you in your soul? Don't you sometimes just long for Jesus? Don't you just get like Lot, your righteous soul is vexed at their ungodly behavior, knowing they're just trying to commit suicide with the way they're living, it does mine for sure. But does it not encourage you that eventually Jesus Christ himself, personally, visibly, bodily, 
is going to come back and put his feet on the old Mount of Olives and he's going to set up a kingdom, a righteous kingdom, uh, and he's going to rule over the whole earth and he's going to change the curse and roll it back. And I'm going to read you some of the passages there where he's going to roll the curse back. The animals in some degree will be released. I, I like animals. I eat them regularly. I like animals. I've got rabbits. My wife was a little down. I can't imagine being married to me why she would ever be down. But, but um, nevertheless, she was a little down, and it's probably a change or something. But I, I got her some baby rabbits about this big. I went and got these little baby rabbits. But they were about that big around, and she would put them in her lap and just caress them and smile. And I said, those encourage you. Yes, they encourage you. But you know, this whole world's tough. Those little sweet little rabbits, those little innocent little rabbits, those little gentle little rabbits are a main food source for little bobcats and, and, and little fox and little, uh, uh, name something, skunk. Everything eats rabbit. Everything eats it. So pretty soon the rabbits, we, they get too big to keep in the cage and we release them at our house and it's certain death. Pretty soon they, they become invisible. They're gone. Because they've been eaten by either a great horned owl, which is around there, or a pair of them. And, and, and who knows, there was a black bear over at my neighbor's house. And, 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 you know, you never know. But, you know, it bothers me. That whole program of, the, of these things feeding and dying. And, and there's death all around us. And things are violent and feeding. That's because of sin. It's because of man. You and me. There'll be a day that's going to be relieved. Woo-wee. It's going to be a great day for them, a great day for us. It should bring some light into your eyes. People have got to have been looking forward to this time for, for almost, like I say, 6,000 years since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. If you ask me, Satan has done a horrible job of ruling this old world. The Bible calls him the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The Bible calls him the prince and the power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2. The Bible calls him the power of darkness in Luke chapter 22, verse 53. I think he has done a pitiful job. Look at this place. There's no government lasts very long without turning into some sort of an evil, vile dictatorship. Uh, where there they steal from the poor so that they can live lavishly, and there gets to be a few rich and a massive group of poor. The place that we live here in America is one of the few, maybe the only government that's ever taken place where there's a middle class in the size that we have it. And if you haven't studied what is going on here in America, and if you don't appreciate what God has done in America, you need to learn about it. Because I'm going to tell you, you don't go hardly anywhere in the world where there's not just a real rich group up here, real small, and a massive group of poor people that are deprived of, a lot of times, the very basic necessities of running water, clean water, decent food. When I went over to Haiti and saw what I saw there, it just stunned me that people could be just 500 miles from us. No air conditioning. Hot. I, I made a bad mistake when I first went to Haiti. I went there in June. Don't go to Haiti in June. No, go in January. At least it gets a little cool. But I'll tell you one thing, Haiti's closer to the equator than we are, and what a difference it made. I try to sleep at night. The sweat would be unbelievable. Mosquitoes unbelievable. They don't have any kind of mosquito control. I caught malaria. I got dengue fever. I got amoebic parasites. That was just one trip. 
I just collected all the diseases and came home. I came back here for six months, was in agony, agony. Nobody could help me. They didn't know what I had. They thought I had Lyme's disease, exactly what they thought. I ended up going to finally an Argentinian doctor who had some sense of those diseases and helped me out. And God used that. But boy, for six months, I thought Billy was dying. And I was only 32 years old or so. Strong at the time. Praise the Lord that someday those things are going to be relieved. I want to go through 20 different characteristics of the millennium that I found in the Bible. Uh, we should be able to do that I, somewhere around 1 o'clock in the morning. We'll build it out. Or I could do this over a period of series on Sunday nights over a few weeks, if that would be okay. The first thing I want to talk about over these 20 specific uh, beautiful, beautiful things. Now, this is encouraging to me as I study it. I hope it's encouraging and even half as much as it encouraged me. Number one characteristic of the millennium. Are you going to, first of all, let me say, are you going to be in the millennium? Well, you, if you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you're going to be in it. If you know Christ, your personal Savior. Bible says if you've been born of the family of God, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, someday you're going to be given a new body. And because, uh, depending on your faithfulness here, you're going to be given a, a degree of responsibility in the millennium, eventually into eternity, and you'll be ruling with Him in the degree that you've been faithful here. So what are you doing here? If you're born again, you should be living with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, loving God, out of gratitude, serving Him, sacrificing for Him, giving for Him, because someday He's going to reward everything you do for Jesus with way more than we've ever done. Wow. I don't know about you, but I like to help people. And the more, the more Jesus lets me help people, the better I'm going to feel. And boy, I mean, there's nothing better than helping people. There's just nothing better. I've, I've, caught, I've caught dolphin till we started sinking. I've caught lobster till we started sinking. That's the a, that's a gospel truth. I've caught some snipe, but not that many. And God has blessed me in fishing and blessed me in hunting and blessed me in every, every, almost everywhere I've gone, but nothing's going to be like the blessing that God has in store for us. The blessing of giving, the blessing of helping is so much better, so much purer than those selfish things that we do here. The first thing we're going to find in the millennium is peace. Peace, brother. The cessation of war and fighting through the unification of the kingdoms of the world under Jesus Christ. No more defense budgets. I didn't go, I didn't look up on the internet the defense budget because I didn't want to get depressed. Uh, this is supposed to be an encouraging time. I don't even want to know what we spend on defense, but I know it's real big. It's real. It reminds me of going to London, a missionary, and he took me into downtown London. He showed me a big band and various planes, various things in the royal palaces and the jewels. And I, he had been down there. He had been 25 years, and he is so tired of taking people on tours. He said, I'm just, I can't even believe it. I don't even want to go, but I'll do it for you. I said, well, let's do the quick tour. We saw all of that in two hours. And I'd say, how old is this? He says, it's real old. Well, how old is that? He said, that's real, real old. That's how, that's how specific the tour I got of London and the big band and everything. He didn't know the dates on any of that stuff. He'd been there for 20 years. He didn't even care. He says, man, I am just tired of coming downtown. Everybody comes visits me, wants me to show them this stuff. But I can tell you there'll be no more defense budgets. And I can tell you the defense budget's real big. Real big. 
Imagine what a difference it'll be in the world when no money is spent on weapons and is spent on food, agriculture, combines, fertilizers, ways to grow stuff better. What if you took all of that energy? Now, by the way, I'm not again. Now, wait a minute. Don't, don't misjudge me. Oh, there's some dove up there. Don't believe. No, no. No, no. We live in a wicked world. We live in a vile world. We need a defense budget. We need to defend ourselves. Otherwise, bad people come in here and take us over. I'm for all of that. I'm for, I'm a, I'm, I loved it when Reagan beefed up the military again and eventually it caused the old, uh, the wall to go down over there in Berlin. I'm for all of that. I think that's where we need to be. I'm, I want to get it. I'm a hawk. But I'm a hawk because I believe in a dove. In this old world, you have war so you can have peace. But in that world to come, because the King of kings and the Lord of lords puts his feet in the Mount of Olives and has all power given unto him, there won't be anybody to raise their fists up against him. There won't be anybody to kind of come, take, come and take your stuff from you. You won't need a defense. You'll be able to take your spears and make them plowshares. Amen. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit divided, de, de, devoted a sizable portion of Scripture to this, this context of peace. Let me read you some quickly. You may not be able to go to them. That's fine. Let me just read you part of the scriptures because there's just so many of them. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. He shall judge among the nations. He shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah chapter 9, you know this one pretty well. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful and consular the mighty god the everlasting father the what the prince of peace it's coming the prince of peace is coming to give us peace by the grace of god and it says of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end under the throne of david and under his kingdom to order it and establish it in the judgment with justice Woo! With justice from henceforth, even forever. Has it happened yet? No. We know it's talking about the millennium. We know it's talking about the millennium. And it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Glory to God, the God that spoke everything to existence said this is the way it's going to be. And by the way, once Jesus comes, it's from that moment on, it's going to go, it's going to just get better and better and better and better. Christian, you've got a future that'll knock your socks off. You say, I'm bad off right now. Well, you may be bad off now, and you may suffer now, and you may go through tribulation now and trials now, but it will be an end to it one day. There'll be an end. And when it ends, whew, you will appreciate the peace. When the strife is gone. I had gouts so bad. I thought I was going to die in 2011. I had people wishing I would. <clears throat> Won't mention any names, but had some people who would hope I would. But I'll tell you what. I thought I was going. And then God healed me. He used the medicine. Came to me in the night, really. 
that I was allergic to. Most of you know medicine, once you're allergic to it, you take it, you have a worse allergic reaction the second time. I had had a horrible allergic reaction to the stuff called Euloric. And I told the doctor, I want to try it again. He said, absolutely, whatever you do, don't do it. Don't do it. It may kill you the next time. It's like penicillin. I'm allergic to penicillin. I tried it the second time. Mamma mia. That's real bad. Don't do it. Had to go get an epinephrine shot. Save me. Um, so I can't take penicillin. Some of you are allergic to bees that way. You get stuck the first time, first time you're embrace so the second time you're worse. Third time you start breathing trouble, you get respiratory trouble, you could die from little it's just allergic reactions, all it is. Your body thinks something real bad happening, but it's not real bad, but it, it's it's messed up. I was bad off and I had been bad off for years up to that point. And man, I just got it in the night. God told me, take ten milligrams of that stuff. I started doing it. I didn't care what the doctor said. And God delivered me. I started taking 10, then went to 20, then went to 40. And God's taken all that uric acid out of my body. And tonight I stand before you free from pain. No pain. I didn't know what that was, no pain. And I can move around, no pain. I'm getting on my knees and doing stuff on my knees again. I quit kneeling when I prayed. I couldn't kneel anymore. And I'm kneeling again when I can kneel and pray without pain. I can move around without pain. And I can almost look left when I'm pulling out in traffic. <laughs> That's why I drive a big truck. My wife will say, what child are you going to hit that guy? I said, oh, he won't hit me. I'm too big. Of the increase of his government and peace shall be no end. Once the good times start rolling with you, brother, it's not going to quit. It's not going to be an end. There's no end. Right now, there's an end to everything in there. End of, end of the good, end of the bad. But there'll be no end to the kingdom of God. We, look, we have the millennium looking forward to us and beyond. Isaiah chapter 11. You want to take your Bible to this? Please do. This is one of the mainstay passages. Isaiah chapter 11. The whole chapter, but I'm only going to read a few verses. Verse 6 through 9. Isaiah 11 is one of the mainstays. It says, A wolf shall dwell with a lamb. There's enmity in our world in every hand. Everything eats everything, fights everything. Even rabbits are unfriendly to each other. You may think rabbits are friendly. They're not friendly. They're very unfriendly animals. Unfriendly to each other. They fight with each other. They're not friendly, but they will be then. Even something sweet like a rabbit isn't so sweet when it gets in the old curse of this world. But the wolf should dwell with the lamb. I know one thing. A wolf dwelling with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. What? And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them. Ha! <laughs> Glory to God, the little child. The little four, five-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old child. Go over there by that big old... Lee, Cecil, which is probably in heaven, you know. And grab old Cecil by the beard. Come with me. Won't that be good? This is not pie in the sky. I'm not up here just making stuff up, make try to feel good. This is reality. Watching them movies you watch, that's pie in the sky junk. 
That's man's imagination. It ain't never going to happen. It, there is no Star Wars. I know that's going to hurt your feeling. There is no D2E2 or whatever his name is. Uh, there is no Obi-Wan. There is no Darth Vader. Well, I've met a couple of Darth Vaders, I think. <laughs> we, we live in a world where people are, are diving into a fantasy cyber world to try to get away from the pain around them. They're diving into this fantasy cyber world. Brother, this is not what we're talking about here tonight. We're talking about the God that made all that is His Word. This is coming. Why did Jesus march through the Gethsemane road over to Calvary and suffer what he did? Because he could see this coming. And he knew it would never happen had he not been willing to go through the suffering of Gethsemane, the suffering of the cross, the suffering of the rejection, the suffering of taking man's sin. He knew all this beauty in the future would be gone. Because he had to pay. The justice of God demanded he pay for sin. Sin is a principle. I'm talking about principle of the world as well as principle individually. He paid for it. He said, the cow and the bear shall feed. A bear and a cow? Uh-uh. Their young ones shall lie down together. Isn't that, wouldn't that be something? See, we're going to see it. You are going to see it by the grace of God. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. All I can think about is God's going to have to give him a little different dental arrangement. Because from looking at the lion's teeth, I don't know how that was going to work out with straw, but I'm sure it, maybe he's got molars in the back. I personally have not opened the mouth of a lion and looked in it. And look at verse 8, the sucking child. Your little kids. That's what he's talking about. The sucking child shall play on the hole of a poisonous snake girl. The hole of an ass, and the weaned child, which is a little older than yours, shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. He'll be he'll be fishing fishing in the den with a, with a, with the uh, with the diamondbacks, or like we have here at the church, coral snakes. And they shall not hurt nor destroy. In all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Glory. Isaiah 32, 17. You don't have to turn to this. The work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Has that happened yet? No, it's millennial promise. Verse 18. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, and in a sure dwelling, and a quiet resting places. Isaiah chapter 60, violence shall be no more heard in thy land, wasting or destruction nor within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more light by day, neither brightness shall the moon give unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. I believe every born again Christian is going to be made a luminary. That's what it means by the word light in English. Meaning we'll generate because of God in us. Remember, the Holy Spirit's never going to leave you. Never going to leave you, ever. 
and he's going to generate light like at the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus walked up there. He began to, his glory of who he was because God is light. And, and the, the reality of who Jesus was began to show forth to those old boys, Matthew, Mark, uh, Peter, James, and John. Those three that went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17. Wow. In Isaiah 65, 25, the wolf, wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like a bullock. Dust shall be in the serpent's meat. There shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 34, 25 says, And I will make with them a covenant of peace. And will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely and in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. When I was in Alaska, my wife and I went to uh, Dawson. We flew into Calgary, rented a car, drove up to Edmonton, drove over to Dawson City where they began the Alaskan Highway, 1,523 miles to Fairbanks. And we drove every mile of it. And I can tell you, you would not want to get out of your car with a sandwich in Alaska or Canada, all that way up through there, because there were, in the morning, wolves along the road looking for roadkill. There were grizzlies with their babies all over. There were black. One day, one day in two hours, we counted nine black bear right beside the road. And, and there was a car accident. I told this before. And the car accident, car went off the side of the road, and there was a couple blood. Evidently, bear really are good at smelling blood. And, and, the, and the, uh, the police were all there with shotguns and armed to the teeth and going down there to try to recover the bodies. But he said the bear probably already got to him before we got. The guy says, if you get an accident out here and bleed, bear will just converge on you and eat you. But there, in the millennium period, you're going to be able to sleep in the woods. You'll be able to go out in the midst of those grizzlies and say, hey, come over here. I'm cold. That's right. Hosea, chapter 2, verse 18. In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and, and battle out of the earth and will make them to lie down safely. Just another place. Over and over, God says it all through the prophets. The book of Micah, chapter 4, verse 3. And he shall judge among my people and rebuke many strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears and pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Micah, Isaiah, Zechariah 9.10 says, And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to river the ends of the earth. Brother, in the millennial period, we're going to have a time of peace. But you know what's bigger than that, isn't it? <clears throat> it's not just peace from enemies. And, I, and let me say this. If you don't love peace, something wrong with you. If you have somehow been sold that war is glorious, then you don't know war. Because the men I've talked to that have been to war, and when this church was really started by World War II veterans, and any of those boys that were in either Vietnam in my age or in World War II or even in Korea, like my uncle was in the chosen few, all of them say the same thing. War is the worst place you could possibly find yourself. 
It is a place of confusion. It is a place of death. It is a place of sorrow. War is hell. Nobody wants war. I mean, sometimes you have to go to war. But it's not what you want to do. It's the very last thing you've got to do. The brother and the man up here will have the opposite of war is peace. Peace. Sweet peace. Or songs about the peace of God. But it's bigger than just external peace. It is internal peace. The other night, I couldn't sleep. I don't know why. Just something got a hold of me. I couldn't sleep. I, I, there, it's tough not to sleep. How many here have had sleeplessness? I told my wife, which my wife's almost not had anything wrong with her. It's probably because she's such a sweet soul and righteous and loves the Lord, and I'm so bad. But I've seen to have all the bad stuff happen to me, and she, she beside being married to me, being maybe bad stuff, but beside being married to me, she seems to have been able to just sleep and seems to be able to have a good go. I'm for it. But sometimes I'm outright jealous. Sometimes I look at her sleeping in that bed and I think, doggone. I can tell you some bad about her. Internal turmoil may be the most torturesome thing possible for a human being. From watching people suffer mentally. Internal, the lack of peace internally may be the worst thing that can happen to a human being. It's something you can't run from. It's something you can't escape. It's something you can't get away from. It's something that's there every turn. You can't run, you can't hide, you can't scream, you can't do anything. You can't get away from it. You wake up, you may go to sleep, you wake up with it. When you think of, of, of Michael Jackson, that poor soul, how much internal turmoil was he in to be, taken, to be taking the drugs they put people to sleep in surgery so he could sleep? He had evidently tried everything out there on the market to have a good night's sleep, which most of you will have tonight. You may not be famous, and you may not be rich, but if you can sleep and lay your head upon that pillow and God gives you a sweet sense of peace come over you where you can sleep tonight, you are a blessed person tonight. Or Michael Jackson getting, inject, getting literally put out so he could... Sleep, and that couldn't be restful sleep. That couldn't be, even at that, it couldn't be. It just meant he wanted his mind to turn off. Why? They violated their conscience on the right hand and on the left to the place they have no God has stripped them from any little bit of peace that they could have had because they violated the law of God so much. Why do you think they die from drug overdose so much? Why do you think those famous people overdose so much? They're trying to get peace. And you have peace in Jesus Christ because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God's Son cleanses you from sin. And God, the Holy Spirit, has come within. And the God of peace now dwells within you. But in the millennium, we're going to have external peace and internal peace. Woo! It's going to be good. 
It's going to be good. The next week I want to take up the second characteristic of the millennium, which this will only take 19 weeks at this pace. Next week I want to talk about joy. One of the characteristics of the millennium is joy. Joy. Some of you haven't laughed in years. But you're going to giggle. You are going to giggle like a child. I watch, I don't know, my son's here, he's been pretty sick. But Troy, when he was about three years old, was it Kathy, three years old, we used to bring food out. I never knew a kid liked to eat more than he did. And we would bring food. Have you ever seen the, the what I love about three-year-olds is it's just their total honesty. They're not worried what you think about them. They're not worried if they got a booger in their nose. They're not worried if they got slobber coming down their chin. They have no self-consciousness much. And boy, when we would bring the food out, she'd bring mac and cheese, you know, staple of life. She'd bring that mac and cheese out to him, and he would just... I can't duplicate it. There's no way I can duplicate it. It was just a... And he would just... He couldn't talk much. But if he could have, he just said, I love food. You know what we're going to gain in the millennium? Our innocency. A lot of us have lost it with the hardness of this world. We've lost our transparency. We've lost our sense of innocency which kids still have. I think if you met Gabriel or Michael here tonight and they walked down here, they'd be like a little four-year-old, five-year-old child in their innocency. Not in their power. Because they don't have that tainting of sin that we have. I'm coming down. Where's it at? Who's got it? Father, we pray tonight you'd help us. Bless even the one whose cell phone went off. Father, help us tonight to understand, listen, in a better measure of some way. Some people may have come here tonight. They're down. Things have turned against them in this world. They just got bad news. Or they're going to get bad news this week. Uh, bad news is common in this world. But there's no amount of bad news can smother out this good news. Good news, good news. Good news, good news. The peace of God that passes all understanding is ours. And it's going to get better. Dear one, hang on. Endure hardness as a good soldier, Jesus Christ, because it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Father, help us to realize it. Help us to hold on to these words through the dark night because the morning's coming and we'll have joy in the morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is
And her soul 